Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Movie Mumble, your monthly movie exploration discussion podcast where four friends watch movies together and talk about it. Not so much together these days, of course, but we at least do the talking together. I'm your host, Scott Murray, and uh, Movie Mumble is just a monthly book club except movies that we all make you listen to. Uh, we uh, take turns picking films and then watching them and then talking about them. There aren't any rules or themes. We can pick any film we want, new or old, animated or live action, foreign or domestic, one we've seen before or never seen before. Uh, and then we just kind of discuss it and let the discussion go where it may. Uh, we do spoil everything we watch. So if you're concerned about that, please watch a film before listening to its episode. But after that, we just let the discussion roll on to the context of the film, how it was made, or just totally unrelated nonsense. The idea is that we get more out of the experience of the cinema when we share it with people whose company we enjoy, and we've proven that to be true quite a lot on this podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my uh, totally, definitely human comrades, Joel Lewis. Hello. Tim Gerard. Hello. And Zeke Perez. Howdy. You all have beautiful hands. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, They're so uh, soft. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, This month, Tim was our movie selector. And uh, Tim brought us Under the Skin. Do you want to introduce your movie, Tim, and how you found it and why you picked it? So I I, I forget exactly what, uh, how I heard about it. I think part of what I remember is I think it had to do with... um, like I saw an article where it had something to do with the the ending and some similarities between the ending of this and uh, Annihilation, um, which if you've seen Annihilation, there you, it's like oh yeah okay, um, but I won't go into it for anybody who hasn't seen Annihilation since you know we we didn't tell you we were going to spoil Annihilation, um, and you know and 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 I, I think I re- I heard a little bit about the plot you know, and that kind of intrigued me, but, uh, yeah. And it was, it was on Netflix for a while, I think. So it was a nice, nice, easy watch that way. Um, so basically and what I really like about it, you know, it kind of starts off, you get this almost, um, it almost starts with this abstract, like parts of it reminded me a little bit of like 2001, where you're just kind of sitting in these kind of lights and shapes for a while. And it's like, okay, what's happening here. Um, but what it boils down to is, um, there, there, there are these aliens and they basically will wear human skin and then go around and have to, uh, sort of get other humans. Um, and I don't know sort of for what purpose, I think in a review I had read where it was how they're like, it's like a fuel source for them. So they need humans to kind of run their ships. Um, and she, you know, Scarlett Johansson plays this alien and the, the, the film starts with her basically taking the clothes off of uh, this woman who we assume is dead because um, she's completely motionless. Her eyes are open the whole time until we see at the very end, a single tear rolls down her cheek and you're like, Oh fuck, she's alive. Like, so there's just so many like moments like that in this film. We were just like, what the fuck? And, um, and I kind of wish I didn't know that they like in the, in the article that I read that, that they were aliens and that was sort of what was happening because you don't really get that right off the bat. You just kind of see her stealing this, this woman's clothes in, in an all white room. So, you know, something's not right. Um, you know, it's like, Oh, are we back in the matrix and this is the construct, you know, like what mm-hmm. the fuck kind of matrix is this, you know, like guns, lots of guns. Oh, and some woman for Scarlett Johansson to steal her clothes. So she then drives around and she's sort of like kind of chatting guys up, you know, and, and you could see her kind of like scoping out different guys and you kind of, 
figure out, I, I mean, I don't know necessarily that I would have caught on to this the first time viewing it again, had I not known from the article I read, like that's what her, her thing is. Cause she's kind of chatting guys up and the, the second time watching it, noticing how every time, you know, she'll, she'll kind of be like, Oh, I'm lost. And, you know, can you tell me how to get, Oh, are you alone? Where are you going? Where are you coming from? Who, Oh, you have friends. And anytime they're like, Oh yeah, I'm here with my friends. Like you immediately just see her, her, her reaction, just like switch off. Like she's not interested. She just drives off. So she, she finally finds someone who's, you know, walking home alone. He lives alone. He loves it. Not in a relationship, you know, and what, what I, what I forgot too, is like, she's driving with this guy and all of a sudden he's just not in the car anymore. So you're like, Oh, did she must've dropped him off, whatever. And then the next guy she finally picks up who is alone, you know, takes him to her house and you're like, Oh, okay. Like, Oh, this guy must think and be thinking, yeah, this is the, you know, uh, I'm the luckiest guy alive. And all of a sudden the movie just takes a turn and she's kind of walking and it's completely black. She's taking her clothes off. He's taking his clothes off. And the floor is like completely reflective. And the minute he's naked, he just starts sinking into the floor, into this liquid until he's gone. And then she comes back, picks up her clothes and goes out and starts the process again. And each time you get to see a little bit more of what's actually happening. And you get to kind of the, I think it's the the second guy where it gets to this, the, I think the, the sort of the most disturbing part of the film or one of the, aside from the ending where you actually see the guy afterwards and he's just sort of floating in this black abyss and he sees the person before him and sees this guy, you know, kind of floating there trying to talk to him. And you can kind of see that his skin is loose. And then all of a sudden, like, he's just basically like, it's like the insides are just pulled out of him and he just goes to like slack skin and it's just floating in this abyss. And you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, and, uh, th- this is sort of part of why I brought this. Cause I remember as I'm watching it, like that was my thought, like almost every, every scene is like, I have to bring this to the podcast. Like, <laughs> fuck, like we have to watch this. We have to discuss this. Like <laughs> you're a fucking monster too. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually what, what ends up happening? And again, it's, it's very subtle. There's very little dialogue in the movie. Um, I mean, you, you hear her talking to people, you know, chatting up these guys, trying to like figure out if there's someone she can, he, she can lure in. Um, but there isn't a lot of dialogue that sort of, um, I guess, sort of like progresses her development. You kind of have to like see it in her face and kind of what she's realizing. And little by little, I think she starts kind of, first of all, realizing like this is fucked up. And it, I, I think it first starts happening when she picks up one guy and she kind of sees that he's like a good person. Like he, he's, um, I forget the, the, the name of it. I think it's um, in the movie mask. I think it's the condition he had where his kind of the bones in his face, like grew like abnormally fast. Um, and I think that's what, what this, this guy has. And as she's talking to him, you know, she's, I think she's kind of realizing, you know, she's chatting him up like any other guy, but I think she's seeing that he's not just like any other, you know, bro fuck boy. Who's like, yeah, let's go to your place. You know, um, you know, it's, it's almost this very sweet moment, but it's also very dark because you're like, fuck, you know, what's going to happen to him. But I, I, as you find out later, like he kind of gets through to her, I think, because they go to the scene where he kind of goes into the liquid and you're like, what the fuck? That's fucked up. And she sees herself in, like in a mirror 
And then the next thing we see is she's letting him out of the house. So she like saves him and it's like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, and she kind of goes on this whole journey of, you know, kind of seeing herself as a human and kind of going through these human experiences and, and looking at humans, not just sort of as, as prey, you know, um, and, and I think she's trying to become human and goes through these different experiences. Um, like she tries to eat cake, um, and, and it's up like choking it up and then, you know, tries to, you know, she finds this, this guy who she kind of goes to his place and kind of sees what his life is like, you know, and, um, you know, at one point she's like kind of looking at her naked body in the mirror, you know, instead of kind of using her body as a way to draw these men forward to kind of lose them in this, this black mirror pool, whatever it is, you know, she's looking at her own body and kind of appreciating her own body for the first time. Um, and, you know, tries having sex with the guy, which the first time I watched the film, I think I thought that he just like, wasn't able to perform but, you know, seeing it the second time, you kind of realize like, oh, wait, she like, just like with the cake, she doesn't have the actual mechanics. Like, it's just the skin, like her human form is only skin deep. So I think he just like, he was ready to go. He just, there was nowhere to put it, so to speak. <laughs> and so she's kind of like, I think discouraged by it. like, she's like, you know, hey, I have this, this, this human body that I actually want to explore. And, and I can't, it's not, it's, it's only on the surface. And then we get into you know, she's kind of in the, in the woods and you see, uh, this other really cool moment. Well, tell you what, I won't talk about the ending because, uh, there, there may be some, there's some really good moments in there in terms of favorite moments that I, I, I don't want to, you know, use up all the good parts for, for everybody else. So, so we'll, we'll talk about the ending later. Um, Cause that was sort of one of the things that I was just like, Oh God. And I was like, I can't. And, and that was the thing is I, I so wanted to be able to watch this with you guys because right. I wanted to see your reactions to these things. But I was also like, I will ruin it if I'm sitting next to them while we're watching this. So I'm almost kind of glad we didn't get to watch it. So, um, so yeah, so I kind of want to hear, uh, you know, in addition to favorite scenes and first impressions, you know, what, what you guys thought about the ending before, before I kind of just talked about it. Real quick, yeah. I wanted to say um, Adam Pearson is the actor who portrays the, the the guy that she lets go, and he has neurofibromatosis, which okay. is a disfigurement of the face. Um, yeah, I had looked that up. He, he's done a lot of advocacy for uh, people with that condition, and really incredible actor. He's done yeah. you know, a lot of things in Britain. So, yeah. Um, well, that was one of the things I had looked on the IMDb and I did see that, like, I was like, was it, was it makeup like with mask or it was just, Oh, it took some like Eric Stoltz and kind of, you know, use prosthetics, but yeah, yeah, he actually does have that condition. So should we move on to first impressions? Yeah. <laughs> and I think let's do a round of first impressions and then let's do a round of ending impressions. Yeah. I think in that order. Scott, do you I would like to first? start us off. Okay, sure. Yeah, I, I I wrote down my first impressions basically, and I I don't know if this will change over the course of the podcast, but I'm not sure I personally like this film in terms of my own tastes. You know, like it's not going to go on my shelf, but it's really well done. Every single moment, every frame, every shot, every movement of an actor was just beautiful, and the score was excellent. Mm. Uh, so I really, I really liked that, you know, as a work, but I, I'm not necessarily sure I enjoyed it. And I think the two, the two, well, the one, I think the, 
the issue is we've talked before about ambiguity in films that in film, sometimes they just don't tell you something because too bad, which can work really well. And then on the other hand, there's ambiguity where you're left to interpret on purpose, right? Two different things. You know, the, the one where you're not told is more like if they're setting up a sequel, they'll just leave something unfinished. But it doesn't always happen for sequel setup, right? Sometimes it's, you know, real. And then, yeah, the stuff that's open to interpretation is, you know, the, the is Deckard a replicant? Is all of this real? Was it a dream? You know, et cetera, right? And I, I, I can and do enjoy that, but I don't always enjoy it if it seems misplaced. But the issue here isn't even that. The issue here is that it didn't quite feel like they were leaving me to interpret so much as it felt like they just weren't bothering to tell me in the first place. You know, like they just kind of crossed the line a little for me, I think, just a little, a little bit too little information, if that makes sense. Um, you know, Inception toes the line really well about what's a dream and what's real, right? And I almost like if Inception hadn't bothered explaining the totems and given you almost no explanation about dream levels, and then just let you watch people suddenly dive five levels deep and then finish the film, I would have been like, wait, what? <laughs> like, does that make sense? I guess the, you know, you needed, needed a more basic understanding to begin making guesses, right? I don't feel like any of my guesses are going to be worthwhile because there's so much that I'm missing. Hmm. So I think that was the single biggest thing that kind of left me cold. Like that, as, well, as far as really what, like I guess, yeah, I guess I don't get what, what as far as what was or what left. ScarJo was, right? Like that's based like what, right? Right. Scar- well, right. Like like you said, Tim, I'm sort of super annoyed that the articles told me she's supposed to be an alien, right? Because there's no real indication that this is extraterrestrial. Well, I mean, the by film. the end, I think you, you know that the the end is the big payoff. I think for that, and maybe that was part. Well, of she's it. clearly a monster of some kind, right? Yeah. But I mean. You know, even in the thing, right, they find the ship and there's this sort of conclusive idea that the thing they dug up in the ice is actually from space. But you could have done that entire movie where they just find a thing that's frozen from caveman times. Mm-hmm. And it's the same film. You know what I mean? Like the ship is the part that made that into an alien. Mm-hmm. Nothing quite clicked for me here. And there... I almost wish I'd been left guessing, I guess, yeah. which is weird considering what I just said about too much ambiguity. But yeah. Well, there, there was a scene, and again, this is only because it was my second time watching it, but at the very beginning, there's this part, I think it's after she takes the clothes, there's this building, and they see your, there are like lights in the sky, and they kind of start moving away, and then she's coming down the stairs of the building. I do remember that. Yeah, it was oh. it was so subtle and so, mm. yeah, like, okay. so that's, that's basically all they give you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so there you go. And I like I said, maybe this podcast is going to turn me around, you know, because of stuff like this right obviously yeah. things i didn't put together yeah. um and again i didn't catch that the first time either it was just because i had read the article i knew that going into it but yeah i hadn't noticed that yeah and then i separate from the film i'm annoyed similarly about all the like they said it was you know the alien thing the the sort of pseudo spoiler you got out of all the articles saying yeah. that happened to me but similarly it also kept getting recommended to me in that weird, I, I think I've talked about this before. I don't know if it was on the podcast, but that, like, if I say to you, I like spy movies and I watched Moonraker, right? That's this <laughs> fun, gadget filled, quirky adventure spy movie, right? So With if you recommend murder. me more, you're going to recommend to me The Man from Uncle or like the Get Smart stuff, right? You're not going to recommend Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy because even though those are both spy movies, they're totally different, right? right. 
with sci-fi people do this constantly and it infuriates me they just just throw things at you like you like sci-fi you should watch this and i you know if you like alien you're not necessarily gonna throw star wars at somebody right (laughs) totally different i that this film came up in a lot of the places i read about cool films to watch always as as that sort of like I just, I, it was, it was misrecommended to me a lot, you know, mm-hmm. miscontextualized. And I like, obviously that's no fault of the film, but this was the, the, the worst offender lately for me. So, all right. Yeah. Someone shut me up. <laughs> Zeke, do you want to go next? Sure. Yeah. Um, just to add into my notes here, but for me, um, I'll start by saying that uh, 1 billion percent, it was the right idea to just go in without reading anything about it. Exactly. And I'm glad you recommended that, Tim. Um, <laughs> and I was tempted because I'm always tempted to be like, well, let's see what it's about a little bit. I was like, no, let's just, just just go into it. And I think I had heard the name of the movie or I knew it was a Scarlett Johansson movie, but I didn't know anything about it. And so I was like, let's go in that way. And I'm really glad I did because I think that paid off a lot with the slow burn and with the reveal and um, just discovering it along the way. Um, because I read the blurb after and I feel like the blurb that's given, right? That she's, I can't even remember. I've read a few different blurbs, but I think one just says that she's an alien and going around essentially abducting men around Scotland or whatever. And like, had I read that and then came and watched, I feel like I would have felt a lot different. So I like the mystery and I like the surprise. Um, it was interesting to watch though, you know, even just knowing nothing about it, because to me, I feel like, let's say like a quarter of the way or like halfway through the movie, I wasn't, in love with the movie yet i was in love with the score and with the visuals i kind of clicked there first and i was like wow this is the, the sound is great and this is really well shot um i have no idea what's going on though is this what drugs feels like i was just kind of like <laughs> trying to piece it together and i was like what's really happening here um but just let it do its thing and let it slow burn um and one thing i wrote down is that i love um the the kind of I guess, shift it in, in power and power dynamics throughout the movie, right? Like the first chunk of the movie, she's, like you said, Tim, going up to people and like initiating the conversation and like picking, you know, exactly who she wants to, to lure in. Um, and then once news breaks that uh, one of the guys that, you know, she didn't, she was going to encounter, didn't get the chance to ask if he was alone or if he had a family or whatever, um, you know, ends up killing him anyway. And then it comes out that, yeah, he has a wife and kids um, and he's gone missing from that moment. Like everything shifts for her and she's kind of not sure how to approach new people. And she's kind of standoffish and, and hesitant to, to go on with the next people. Um, so that was just fascinating to see just throughout, like how that played out. Um, I don't know, I guess long-term or like just, just throughout the movie, how that aspect of it developed. And I don't know, I liked that, I I like the ambiguity of it, and I like that there really wasn't a lot of dialogue at the beginning, and then at the end there really wasn't a lot of dialogue. Um, And I won't won't spoil anything for um, ending reactions yet, but um, I don't know, I think I I was happy with how it ended up. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the slow burn, I enjoyed knowing nothing, and then, you know, kind of early on I was like, well, is she a serial killer, is she a monster is she like what is she and to me i don't even know if that matters right so i think scott 
I'm different from you there, right? Because the reveal or if, if there's a review that says she's an alien, I don't know that it matters that she's an alien or a monster or whatever. Like, I don't think there needs to be a ship to, to make that worth the payoff. I think the payoff is like, I don't know, just the whole slow burn. So I, I really liked it. No, in there. So Tim, like you were saying, I was really, really lamenting the fact that we didn't get to watch this together. <laughs> because there's such a sublime moment when we have this in person where we watch something and there's the silence after the movie, like the credits start to roll <laughs> and we play chicken with who says, well, fuck. Cause <laughs> whole, like that is exactly like I did that on my own. I just was like, fuck at the end of this. And I missed that so much. And that, cause we would do the mad, mad rush to like get everything set up and get recording. So we don't have any, like, so we could can, like talk about it while it's fresh in our minds. And it, it just, I, I, I'm, I really miss that. And I think we're like, we're in a streak right now with films where I'm really, really missing it. Cause it's just like, it's all engendering like these really cool discussions in the last like six or seven picks that we've had. It's just been really juicy shit. Um, this has one of the most disturbing moments in any film I've ever seen before. It was fucking shocking. And then I watched it again today on a tiny screen. And because I knew it was coming, it was even scarier. And I don't, I've seen a lot of, I've seen self intubation scenes in horror movies. Okay. This is disturbing. And really effective, and I I, ju- I just have to say that in, in terms of like a film that builds tension and really uses sound design and score effectively, this is almost on its own like plateau. Like th- th- there's really nothing I've ever watched that a- approaches it for establishing like how loud humanity can be. And and because it, it would dip between these kind of like intimate, quiet, small moments and stretches of, of silence to just cacophony was just so brilliant. And I I think in terms of like uh I, I went in cold, I went in, go into everything cold. Um I recommend following Tim's advice when you go in cold rather than mine. If I suggest something, you probably want some context. For Tim, l- listen to the man, because I was so <laughs> pleased to go in and not know what the hell was going on and just discovering this film as it went on. And I, I think Zeke, I'm, I'm very similar to you where I, I, it didn't matter in the end what she was. It was cool. Like reading. And I want to read the book that it's based on now. Uh, apparently they're like pretty significant deviations from the source material, but it just yeah. um, in the same way stalker is, is based on a book. Like I want to read both those sources because it's just such a, a, a rich, interesting story. And I I just just mesmerized is probably the word best describes it for me is is just like I don't know what this is but I have to see every frame of it to figure out what it is and at the end I was just like this is good I'm going to think about this film for a long time it it it's and when you were saying I was just nodding along when you were saying like annihilation and that like this is this is in that kind of modern in quotation sci-fi in quotations horror in quotations because it's all like what scott was saying is like when somebody recommends any kind of like slice of science fiction 
it's Scott, Scott and I have talked about this before about science fiction being more a time period, a setting than it is a genre. And I think that like, this is a really great example of like a, a corner of that genre and of that setting that is nothing like Star Trek is nothing like Star Wars is nothing like, I mean, it's, it's kind of like alien, but it, it's more akin to like repo man or like annihilation alien almost. Yeah. Mm. And I, 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 I think if you came in with, like Scott was saying, like a certain recommendation based on, hey, you liked the thing, you should watch this. There's definitely like similarities and shared DNA, but it's a very different film. But I, I, I again, mesmerized, shocked, disturbed. I, uh, man, like it, I feel like I was lulled into a false sense of security with like the Matrix picks and then Fight Club, and then you <laughs> brought this like like a fucking hammer. I was like, oh god, like uh, it, it was incredible. I I I'm I'm was really in awe of what that film was, and and Tyna asked me about it afterwards, like what it is what what it's just it was wild, it was crazy. I was almost dumbfounded, like I didn't know how to articulate what, what had happened. And that, that was really, really cool. Um, yeah. So should we do ending impressions in the same order, Scott? Yeah. I, it's funny. You already, I'm already like reassessing based on what you all have said so far, <laughs> but kind of in two opposite directions. Cause I, I mentioned that I was annoyed that I had read about it already mm-hmm. and not even much, even though I'd seen it pass across my gaze on a bunch of different websites and forums, everyone pretty respectfully just gave me the one sentence. ScarJo is an alien. She's on earth. Go watch the film. Right. So, mm-hmm. so to be fair, they did their job there, but I, like I said, I was annoyed that the articles pegged her as an alien when it wasn't in the film, but then Tim, you mentioned it was, but then, yeah, I kind of was thinking about what Zeke said. Like, I kind of liked that it didn't, it didn't matter what she was, except that she wasn't human. Mm-hmm. So I sort of went full circle there from being frustrated at the people who made the recommendations to frustrated with the film, to happy with the film, to frustrated again. I don't know. <laughs> but that aside, the ending, the half of the ending that was Scarlett Johansson's was great. Um, I really did love the arc of this detached character only interacting on a superficial level to get the job done, having a couple of experiences that kind of started to show cracks. And then that one experience with the, uh, the man with the facial deformity that opened them to a totally new experience. And then when they started really feeling humanity, instead of just keeping external from it, they just kind of, they got this weird whole non-understanding of the skin they were wearing and they experienced both the good and the bad with the guy on the bus who was kind to this lost stranger and the guy in the woods who was not. And I loved that we got that incredible dichotomy that basically tore her apart. Even the first one, even the kindness like started to rip her up a bit at the mental level. So literally, like literally tearing her apart. Yeah. And then that it ended with, the most most perfectly rational reaction I've ever seen in a horror movie ever. <laughs> oh my god, where's my gasoline? <laughs> you know, I kill it with I fire. Mean, put this guy in every other horror movie, and the movie's over in ten minutes, right? It's I, so that I just that was great. That part was great. But what kind of put me off was we kept cutting back to the motorcyclist 
for reasons I cannot discern. And we'll, I'd rather hear everyone else's envy and impressions before we get into them, but that's where most of my listless dissatisfaction comes from, from the second half motorcycle guy-based stuff. So, but yeah, the actual main, you know, Scarlett Johansson and everything or her path and the way it concluded was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I have that same question too, so I'm excited to dig into that just about the role or the, like, who or what is the is the motorcyclist uh, from the beginning? Is there space the pimp? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't in the blurb. <laughs> that's, a, that's a solid of an answer. So I, I like that. <laughs> Not a phrase I expected to hear, but I won't take it. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I like the ending um, because, well, to me, it didn't matter what she was by the time we got to the end. But I did like that we didn't get the reveal of, you know, to, to take the title, but what's under the skin until the very end, um, right? There were some hints at it, like her looking in the mirror and kind of like anytime she was looking at herself or looking at her reflection in the mirror, it was very much a foreign, like out of her own body sort of thing. So you knew something wasn't right. Um, but you get to the end, right? And she takes off her face and like the, you know, there's this dark alien creature monster skin uh body underneath and and i think that reveal was great and i think it was better to have it come at the very end last few minutes than like sprinkled throughout right like if a quarter of the way in you got some hint that you know because throughout right she was putting on different clothes or like taking on different mannerisms whatever but if i think a quarter of the way in she pulled off her arm and there was like that same skin under her arm. And it kind of what it would have hinted that way. I think it would have been much less effective. Like I liked it boiling up and just revealing at the very end where you get this very different, very spooky, you know, not human reveal. Um, I think that was a a big payoff. Um, And I don't know. I think there was just something else too, that was, pretty dark and sinister about that last scene, right? Where, um, you know, the whole movie, she's luring guys in and, 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 and doing whatever with them, right. Putting them into the, the sunken <laughs> darkness of alien, whatever they sink into the water thing. But, um, I don't know, just the coldness of the guy that assaults her, like while he's assaulting her, he's chewing gum. That's something that stuck with me. And it, it just was nothing to him. Um, just, and then, like you mentioned, like when he uh, sets her on fire, right? Like again, just nothing to him. Um, and I think the, the the very ending, right, where she's on fire and then the smoke goes up. That's I rewound and watched that one or two more times just to to let it sink in because that was I don't know it, it was a pretty pretty nice bow on it. I guess I'll say um, I think it wrapped everything up nicely and had me thinking and all the stuff I like in a movie, right? When you leave and you're still thinking about it and wanting to relive the ending a few more times, I think that's always a good sign for me. Yeah. I mean, Zeke, I really liked what you had said kind of initially about like the transition of the power dynamics in this film. And I think something that's so, I mean, rape is such a strong image and such a visceral evil vile act that even though this skin changer this this predator is being subjected to it that's who we empathize with 
that's that's who we're rooting for and it's so i mean i i don't know that i could recommend this to any survivors or or people who deal with it because it's 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 not something to champion it, it's a very visceral it's a very f- hard thing to do i don't even want to say respectfully but like to do in a if if it triggers you it triggers you and if you never watch this for that reason I, there's no i'm not going to persuade you and i don't want to but within the context of the film and the way it's used is so much about changing that dynamic of power and changing how we view the skin changer. And that's kind of, that's how I kind of thought of her reading later that she was an alien. I I mean, she took it off and I, I, this, this void skin that she had, I, I was thinking Wendigo skin changer, like, like this, 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 human eater and i think that there's a definite imagery that's evoked there and it it i don't i didn't want her to die at in the, that mo- she became the victim and she became prey and it, it was and that was it was a very interesting dichotomy between the way she preyed on victims who were sexually aggressive and sexually suggestive and she isolated them and but it was not a violent overtaking it was a a disturbing and violent end for them but there was the 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 seduction and the entrapment was was a very different thing and i think i think that's where this movie really lives is in playing with okay what sense of predatory action are are we able to condone in the light of something worse and I think that was really, really strong and really, really powerful. And when he sets her on fire, I'm like, well, I, I'm mad. I'm like, this is the rapist doesn't get to win. That that's even even though we've seen her kill these people, and it's implied she kills many, 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 many more. And she's not of this earth. But like it, it just in that last sequence, and it, it's a gorgeous, awful sequence where she's turning into smoke and returning to the heavens in this certain sense and i i wish i had watched it because uh, i was kind of seeing wanting her to like reform in the clouds and come back like i i was kind of looking for this phoenix phoenix-esque uh rebirth and it wasn't like that and it was it was hard it hurt it was it was emotional and and she she was inhabiting the skin and wanting to be what was on the outside rather than what was an inside. And I think that that arc is brilliant. And I think ScarJo's performance is just excellent. Like uh, there, I think a, a, a passing viewing of this movie would say that she was cold and emotionless, but like to play something with borrowed skin and, and to have emotion in any sense kind of come through that was just incredible. I, I, I think it, it, it's, it's a testament to her, her skills as an actor. I, I was, I was really, again, stunned, disturbed, speechless after the end of it. It was an incredible ending. Her performance is the best alien as in, as in foreign, as in inhuman, right. Thing I have ever seen on a screen because things that look completely different, obviously they just, they look like something else. It's kind mm-hmm. of, I don't know. We don't just question it. When you, you get, creatures trying to pretend to be human you know it's often done with with like clumsier sort of over the top 
more obvious cues, you know, but with her, it was just, it was something about the gaze. Like when she parks the van that one time and gets out, she just does it. Like she's done it a million times. There's absolutely no like, how do I work these appendages on the end of this limb nonsense, you know? And so you get it in those little moments in the mirror when she stares and she doesn't move. There's no like twitch of the shoulders or shifting of weight. None of the little unconscious movements that humans do. None of that. It's just gone. And it's that, that just right level of like uncanny valley that was just incredible. That was beautifully done. The way you talking about that reminds me of like MIB with the, the cockroach in the, yeah. the human suit and that kind which, of like, which is great for that suit. movie. Like, right. It's no, and it's played for comedy and it's obviously yeah. like an I, alien I fitting person suit. Like, and, but like, that's, that's the other side of this. It's an alien. It's, it's it occupying mm-hmm. skin. And it's a great counterpoint to like how vast the divide between playing those two entities was. And yeah. it just, and even the death, you know, there's no sound. There's none. She only speaks to other humans to do her job. Mm-hmm. She never speaks to the biker, who, even though they're obviously working together, they just look at each other. They don't speak. And when she dies in what must be agony, doesn't speak. Nothing. The speech is only for humans. Tim, did you want to give us our en- your ending impressions now that we've all bared <laughs> yeah, our yeah, souls yeah. under our skin, as it were? <laughs> So, yeah, so I mean, obviously, like the first, you know, after the, 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 the shocks throughout the movie, yeah, like when she kind of first like pulls her face off and you see what's underneath, it was just like, God damn, just like, you know, it's, you know, it's creepy as fuck. Yeah, I, I was almost gonna say horrifying, but not horrifying, because it's like, by that point, you're kind of expecting something like that. But it was just like, I think what, what bothered me too is how kind of easily she just took it off, you know, mm-hmm. cause to her, it was, it was a mask, but to us, we, we've, we've seen it as her actual face this whole time. And then when she turns around and looks at it and like the eyes are still blinking and looking back at her, like that threw me for loops. It's just like, so, so does the skin still have a consciousness? Like whoever's skin that, what, you know, and so it was just kind of like, what, what, what is, yeah. Like, like it wasn't just this this blank stare. It was like it's still there. Like that that sort of upped it for me. The uh, so so one of the things I, I, I and again noticed this um, the second time watching it is when um, when that the, the 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 truck driver guy first sees her in the woods and he's just kind of like chatting her up. It was just like, oh my god! Like this is the way she chats up the guys that she finds on the street, where she's having a conversation about the situation, but then also, you know, oh, are you alone? Are you here with anyone? You know, oh, you know, who who are you here with? You know, and like, where'd you come from? You know, and and it was it was kind of really. I, I feel like you had to kind of think about that twice because first of all, you know, you're 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 hearing those lines and they're kind of an echo of what she's been saying to people. So your kind of first impulse is to be like, oh man, like she, now she's going to get it, what she's been doing. But then it's like, you kind of take a step back further and you're like, well, wait a minute, whoever wrote this probably sculpted that dialogue based on the way that men talk to women ordinarily, you know, and, and these are supposedly human men in, you know, talking to women, you know? So 
that the, the, the sort of like the, the predatory conversation, which in the scope of this film, we hear her using it first, but you know, it's not something that's only used by aliens to be like, Oh, what, you know, which men can I get alone? You know? And that, that was what, what was one of the things I thought of too, is like, yeah, like, like you mentioned, Joel, like, should this film, you know, should this, this have a trigger warning as far as like, you know, if we're recommending someone to watch it, but then, you know, and totally yes. On a, on a serious, you know, like absolutely. But then my other thought was like, Oh, you know, who else is going to be upset about this are incels because here's this woman who's promising sex to these guys and they don't get it, you know, and they're not going to like that, you know? And so, so, you know, again, that like this, this predatory nature that they created for her, it, you know, it, it, I think the, the, the point of that at the end is you, you're, you kind of realize like this wasn't, invented by aliens who for some reason need humans this this type of of, of you know th- this was invented by men you know mm-hmm. who are predator predators you know and, and that's what i had to think of like is that is that the point like is the you know the, the sort of the, the writer and the director being like oh she's gonna get hers see look your words are being used against you but it's like well wait a minute like you know this kind of starts with you know almost the sense of and this is the the thing that i thought about is that i i kind of wish that the the men that she had taken in the beginning were i mean some of them seemed to be kind of douchey but it wasn't that like they were predators and it was like haha surprise like i'm actually the predator you know like she she was kind of like the the first guy anyway he was just kind of walking somewhere and and you know and part of it too is you could say like well they were still in you know, going along with it. And that was the thing that you had said, Joel, too, like that I thought of is that, yeah, at any point they could have turned and walked away until you know, they hit some point of no return, but they were still able to leave that situation, at least up to a point, you know, they didn't have to get in the car with her. You know, they could have just said, no, I need to go to my destination. You know, they, they still kind of agreed to go along with all of it. Um, and I think it says something, I guess that the fact that, she never had to resort to violence because they were always willing participants. Whereas like for her, you know, the, you know, when she's being assaulted, like it it had to be violent because, you know, like her given the choice, she would have walked away like any of those other guys could have, you know? Um, So you mentioned that actually. Yeah. Yeah. And we never see it progress. Right. Cause everybody's like GGG is like, well, if I could get, a ride home from this obviously attractive woman. I'm not going to say like, I, and there, there is no escalation to that point because it, it, it it's a different dynamic. And I think mm-hmm. it really highlights not what that. they're expecting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, some of them think it over for a second, but they're not thinking it over the same way a woman would be thinking. it. And they don't right. feel right. threatened. That's right. another dynamic right. is like, it, it's really highlighting the fact that a man walking alone in the dark home feels safe right and can go into a situation like that and feel confident that whatever happens they'll be able to handle either physically or like and that is a difficult that that that's a really fine line that they're playing i think they do it really effectively is like this situation doesn't happen with women because they are leery and they don't feel safe and they 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 have they're in a society that doesn't make them feel safe in these situations. I, I think I mean, it's a the, really fine line and a really well trodden line. Even the, the dangers that men do face are different. 
because men are more often victims of violence, just regular non-sexual violence, mm-hmm. right? And theft. But but that's that's between that, the nature of the crimes and then just the, the physical dynamic. You know, if a man is walking over at night and feels unsafe because there's a stranger, he's going to react differently to begin with. Well, A, he might not feel unsafe to begin with, right? B, even if he does, he's going to react differently because C, his expectation is of being beat up, right? And and that's all. Or mm-hmm. handing over his wallet, and that's all. Or just running before the person gets close to you. Or of being capable of fighting back in the first place. Because, you know, at worst, you're probably roughly equal in physical stature to the stranger you see on the other side of the street. Whereas with men, the expectations are completely different. Obviously, they're more sexual, like you mentioned, but also that there's no, once the person is close to you, there's no out, you know, because once they're within reach, they're probably stronger, you know, typically men tend to be earlier than women, right? It's it's a different dynamic, yeah, like even, so even if any of those men are thinking, I wonder if she wants to, like, take out a knife and get my wallet, like, it's way less likely to begin with at all. even more or less likely because it's a woman in the vehicle and they're a man. And then they probably, you know, they're bigger than her anyway. Like I, they're, even if the man walking alone at night were to feel unsafe in the first place, there are so many other, other conditions that, that I don't know. I'm not, I'm not explaining well, but. Oh, it's not as common. It, it's definitely this scenario is, is the exception rather than the rule and that's the point that the film is making and right, i think it's making for it them well. it's much easier to say yes to the person in the car offering you a ride right yeah and so even though she does sometimes have to kind of quote-unquote work verbally for it and sometimes she just says get it and they hop in it's just she never has to resort to anything else right. because the thought isn't there yeah it's a subtle point i think i think it's an important point and it's a subtle point that they're making um i think it's effectively done sorry tim go ahead yeah no, yeah. So, I, and I mean that, yeah, and that was definitely, I think, worth worth discussion, not just sort of, you know, like, you know, here's here's the thing, but you know, and that was that was something that, like I said, I noticed noticed it more this this second time watching it, looking for details like that. And uh, what was the, yeah, oh, that was the other thing. Yeah, I was going to mention that, like you mentioned uh, Zeke with the him chewing gum, you know, just sort of how, you know, how just sort of like commonplace it was. It wasn't a matter of like you know, it was just like, whatever, this is, you know, it's a matter of fact, almost. Which yeah. Is... Yeah. It's just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was kind of, I think what struck me too, is that there was definitely this, um, this mentality of, well, of course I found a woman all alone in the woods. Am I going to not rape her? Like, you know, like it was just like that. Yeah. That's, you know, it wasn't a matter of like, what is the right thing to do here? And I should not be a scumbag. It was just like, you know, that, that, that sense of the only thing keeping some people from, from anarchy is that sort of like repercussions, you know? And it's like, well, if you remove the repercussions, like there's, she's not with anybody, you know, we're in the middle of the woods, you know, like how is she ever going to find me again? Why, why wouldn't you, you know, there, you know, there's no, there's not, no way this could come back to me. So why wouldn't I, you know? And, uh, so I think the other, the other point about the, the end with, you know, or not so much the, the end specifically, but with the motorcyclist, and again, this was something I, I only got this second time through because the first time it was kind of annoying. Like, what is he doing there? And I kind of took it as, and that's why I said, like, it's, it, it, he's her space pimp, is that I think this wasn't something she chose. This is something she had to do. 
And I think he's there to kind of help give her more sympathy. Like the fact that if she was just going about being like, Hey, let's go like, you know, trap all these men for no reason. And, you know, when she decided she didn't want to do it, like, whatever, I'm just going to go live among the humans. It'd be like, no, fuck you, get out of here. But I think she's in this abusive relationship, you know, and I think that gets hammered home when she, you know, and, and we kind of see him cleaning up after her, like when she kills that, the guy who was, um, you know, the, the, the guy who just lived in a tent and then the motorcycle guy came out and cleaned up his tent, found his towel. You know, that's another thing we got to talk about is that fucking scene with the family and the fucking baby. Like, fuck, that was another. But anyway, you know, we see him kind of cleaning up after her and doing kind of some of the heavy lifting. But then when when she lets the guy go and he goes after him, we kind of see like, oh, no, like he's not helping her. Like she's doing this because she has to and she can't make the decision to let someone go because now he has to go you know clean up after I the loose ends yeah yeah, yeah know, i wrote and, him you know, down as motorcycle loose ends like that that was his character is is cleaning yeah. up after and for me him at the end was establishing tension because she was following her footsteps because she had decided to stop he was tracking her down yeah. And that established tension in the end where she could not be, she could not choose to be human or to right. act human or to not do what she was trained to do or, or made to do. And him coming was establishing further tension that eventually she, whatever life she was created, like this, this snapshot of kind of domesticity or like human connection she had found with the guy on the bus that was temporary because he was always coming. It was right. like a Terminator two situation. Like I guess Terminator anyway, but just like constant kind of unyielding force following the wake that she was leaving behind and f- tracking her that, that I, I didn't really experience any frustration with that element and kind of cutting away to it. Cause I was like, this is establishing the tension of like, she's not safe anywhere. He's slowly creeping up and she's going to have to leave. That that yeah. was kind of how I interpreted it. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, in that sense too, you almost feel this a little bit of peace for her when she dies. Like, you know, and again, mm-hmm. this is only on this, on this second viewing when, because they made such a big deal of the, the motorcyclist and I kind of noticed it more and kind of noticed that dynamic of, you know, and when there's the four of them and they go in the four directions and they're all out looking for her, you know, like she's, you know, she's, she's being hunted now, you know? And so, yeah, I think that was part of it is like, if I think if it was just her and she was kind of going through and doing all this, like, I don't think, we would have cared when she decides to be like, well, wait, maybe I want to be human, you know? Cause it's like, well, no, fuck you. You were just going around killing humans. But like, I think to see that it's like, you know, she's kind of being made to do this, you know, like, you know, he's her pimp. He's like, no, you got to go out, you know, and, and, you know, the, the, the degree to which she's kind of like under pressure to find, you know, people, you know, and, um, and yeah, I think it, it made the whole, you know, her trying to get away. It wasn't just like, I'm going to slip into life and disappear. You know, it was, you know, and I think it also made more sense, you know, why she was running through the woods after, you know, it was just this overall idea of I need to escape, you know, not necessarily escape the house she was just in, but like, I have to keep moving, you know, like, sure, we tried having sex and I don't have the parts, but you know, that, I think the first time that kind of like seemed disconnected why she was running through the woods after that. But I think it was more just, I've got to get away from motorcycle guy, you know, cause if he catches up to me, you know, that's it. I'm back to doing this again. 
so yeah, so I almost wonder if there was a degree of peace that that character felt like, okay, well, at least I don't have to do this anymore. You know, and I got to, you know, see a little bit of what it's like to be human, you know, to kind of choose that life for a while. And, you know, um, yeah, those are some other great moments, like her kind of just being in the house with him, mm-hmm. like where he's watching TV and she's kind of like watching TV and watching him laugh at the show. And then music on the radio and he's tapping his foot and she kind of starts tapping her hand like, you know, okay, this is what humans do. They tap along to these sounds coming out of that box. Okay. You know, and, um, you know, and I think, uh, yeah, I think all of that was temporary because of motorcycle guy, you know, and I think he, he would have eventually caught up to her. So, yeah, so to me that, and and again, I could be, you know, kind of adding more meaning to it than was intended, but I think that for me was, was the role that he played, you know, to kind of give us that, that, uh, uh, a bigger bad guy than, than she was, you know, because at the beginning she's kind of the bad guy, you know, so you needed, I think, a, a boss bad guy to be like, okay, she's not so bad compared to him. It sort of adds, it's another way in which she's turned into a victim. Yeah. You know, a victim of whatever system brought her there, right? Yeah. And I I agree with you largely that that's sort of the only logical conclusion for him. But it, that was, I mentioned I liked the Scarlett Johansson parts of the ending, not the him parts. Right. Because, yeah, like, we see him cleaning up the loose ends, right? The tent and the stuff, and it's cleared up there, working together and quote unquote, and he's the handler of sorts, you know. And then she lets that one guy go, and he gets him. And we're not, I'm not sure whether he gets him because that wasn't acceptable for her to do, or if that's just something that happens. Sometimes she gets a guy partway through the process, discovers he's not suitable. Like, I mean, in that case, obviously she chose to let him go, right? Maybe in the past, she's discovered they're not suitable, let him go, and he just has to clean up the witnesses, right? Like, I was still not quite sure which one that was yet. Right. And then the only two times we see him ever again after that are with a bunch of other bikers who just showed up out of nowhere, riding off in a posse. Again, I, the only logical conclusion there is that they're looking for her. And then him alone with no more posse, just somewhere else. It felt like if we'd finished Return of the Jedi and then Boba Fett, who we hadn't seen since Empire, was like on a beach in Mexico asking people where Han Solo was. Right? It was like... What? <laughs> like, why did we need to see him standing there? Release that cut of Star Wars. <laughs> right. Release the Lucas cut. You know, well, the only thing they do in, in Cloud City is gamble with Lando and then leave, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, that part felt weird and unnecessary, and it removed a lot of the impact for me of what mm-hmm. was happening to her, right? Of that suddenly we went back to this guy who is nowhere near her and lost his posse, question mark? And that kind well, of... I th- I think that doesn't the posse all go in different directions at one point, like after they meet up. So I, I don't think they were together. No, maybe. I mean, yeah, apparently like, I missed a lot. I'm sorry. I, I feel bad now. I feel like I should. No, and I think, I think where we, before we even keep talking. And I think we, where we catch up with him is like a location we've seen that she was at before, but like on, on a first, like you can't catch everything like that, that, and if it, if it didn't stick in your mind, it didn't stick in your mind. That's not. Yeah. So, yeah. So Scott, to to change gears completely, what were your favorite scenes? Yeah, I, um, <laughs> actually, the the sex scene because the score in particular just brought everything together perfectly. That was the moment I wrote the score is excellent, and then just backed it up a few times to just that was the the visual and sound and music all coming together into this perfect picture, and I was just like. 
Oh, yes. Um, the soundtrack, the use of the soundtrack in that moment really put me in mind of something I've seen before, but I can't put my finger on it. But just something that I, I've, I've seen the music used in that way before, and I love it. And then the opening scene, when she's putting on the clothes from the other lady, because even though they're both in their, I mean, I guess the other lady's human, right? She's already in her human skin. And just putting on the woman's clothes, it didn't feel like it. It felt like she was putting on the woman's skin. Mm-hmm. Like she was putting on a whole new person, a whole new identity. And I actually like had to stop for a minute and go, wait, she already looks human. Like this is just clothing. It didn't, it didn't feel that way. It felt like a new, a new skin, even though it was clothing, which speaks to the, again, the lack of comprehension about humans, right? The treatment of clothing as skin as kind of basically the same thing. And then also just, again, like they, the way she didn't actually feel human, right? I, I don't know. I, I, that's the scene I want to give another look, but that was a great first impression because I had that sudden realization in the middle of the scene as it was happening that she wasn't putting on skin. She was putting on just clothing. Mm-hmm. Ugh, like So that was beautifully done. <laughs> yeah. Zeke, what about you? Yeah. Um, I felt like this one was was tough to pick out like a favorite in a good light. Um, so I think I'll go with one. I, I feel like Joel, this is where you're going earlier with the disturbing scene. Um, we'll see if we're talking about the same one, but where the second guy goes into the void and encounters the first guy who comes up to him. Yep. And so he, the second, the, the first guy is all bloated and, and, you know, had been in the void and is scary looking enough. And then they touch, fingers and they're like kind of grasping at each other and then like yeah then the first guy dissolves i guess is the best way to put it or like i don't even know how you'd say that yeah and then goes into like this kaleidoscope of dissolving i don't know like i don't know how else to say it but i was sitting there watching it and like i would i i don't know the the look on my face i'm sure was something like conveying what i'm trying to say but as i was looking at it i was just like this is going to give me nightmares isn't it and that's the first scene in a long time where i felt like oh man i'm going to be thinking about this for a while or like i almost had to like look away from the screen because it's like if i stare at this it's going to creep me out and give me nightmares and it was just like just the exact sort of um thing that does bug me or scare me or creep me out in horror movies. I think there's um, the other one that always gets me. There's a scene in pet cemetery that I've blocked from <laughs> my, my mind because it, it is Zelda worthy. man. Zelda. Yeah. Yep. It spooked me too much. So it's, it's, it's similar with this one where I was just like, Oh, that's so creepy. Like I can't handle it, but I, I, I enjoyed it for that reason. Right. Because it got that reaction out of me. Um, and I think another one I really enjoyed probably more for a favorite reason, but was just, um, I don't know, just thinking similar to what Scott said, but thinking about um, the void scenes where she's lured someone in and they're walking towards her and she's walking away and just how synced up the score was to that. Like with every step she took, like the beat would go. And um, again, I just think they did a great job making this sound and look good at the same time. So um, yeah, for different reasons, those are my favorite scenes. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to I mean the the standout is obviously that that submerged scene with both victims. It the tension of those the silence the silent screaming I was doing in my head watching that 
And this again, seriously, I watched it the second time and it wasn't on a big, it wasn't on my TV. It was on my phone and my brain was just screaming scared of it. And there it's silent. And then the one, the music cue that you get when he pops and, and shrivels is a symbol and it's not a crash. It's more like a bell hit. It's just like, bing. And it, it's haunting it, it it the way that skin moves afterwards is so eerie jellyfish octopus like soulless inhuman awful and it it, it it's it's nightmare worthy it, it's just one of the most powerful disturbing crazy realistic looking thing that's the other thing like i can't speak any more effusively about how well rendered that horror moment is it's incredible i mean you you can watch certain things and you're like okay this is where the prosthetics in this is where the dummies in like another moment that was just like that's not a dummy is when she kills the guy on the beach with the rock there's no cut there. I don't know what they hit, but that was just so cold and emotionless and efficient. Super disturbing. I mean, I, I, and I think my favorite, and it's weird to call them favorites because they, they so disturbed me, but like the, the scene with the waves on the shore or on the beach where, and the, his wife went out and he went to save her. And then the surfer who was staying on the beach in the tent went to save her. And you see just kind of buffeting again. And you're like, all of that is the sounds of the beach. There's no score. It's just nature. And you see just closer and closer to the rock face. And then the wife is gone. And it's just awful. Just Seriously, like this is going to I'm going to think about those elements of this film for a long time. That that was so and it was nothing she did. This is the like one of the the murders and they are murders like that occur that she had nothing to do with. Her presence is incidental that, to that moment. We don't know why they're in the water or the mom went in the water. She went to get the dog. Yeah, we yeah. Is the dog? I don't I didn't see the I guess that Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so sad. <laughs> Forget humans, man. Yeah. Dog. <laughs> and and the fat the other the aftermath of that sequ- like she leaves the baby, and motorcycle guy leaves the baby on that beach alone. There's no words. Like it, it's really just haunting and disturbing and and powerful and like we don't know why. Like she's obviously going after men uh, who have come of age or like, is is there just not enough? And that's the thing. Like, I didn't know quite what she was collecting human tissue for. I thought it might be feeding the skin that she was wearing. I thought, and that, that might be why it was wearing off after she stopped. That's kind of what I had connected. Obviously I don't know, but like maybe there's not enough skin on a baby for that, but it that, that was really horrifying. Just this tiny thing, in the dark next to the ocean where it could crawl and drown and die and just left alone or, or to freeze like that, that was just so vulnerable and so 
And that's the thing. Like when, when motorcycle cleanup guy showed up, I was like, Oh, is he going to kill the baby? Is he going to kill the baby? And then he left it and it was all, it was worse. It was worse for having (laughs) been left. Cause the, the baby wasn't part of, you know, her victim was the swimmer, right? The baby and their family, like you said, it was all incidental. And also isn't a witness anyway. (laughs) So I, yeah, that was such a, it was a great representation of how far outside of humanhood they were like the human society was all these people feeling and knowing and interacting with each other and understanding and how they were completely removed from that. But then after she gets into it is when she starts to, yeah. 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 And it was just so it was haunting enough, like hearing the baby screams in the background for a minute or two. And then they close up on the baby and just that shot lingers, you know, as he's trying to like get up and stand up. And that that was honestly, yeah, just one of the more devastating or hard to watch haunting parts of the movie. Just, yeah. And they cut away still the baby is screaming and Scarlett is behind the wheel and here it's some, it's another baby in a, in a car. And it, it, it's almost like that's kind of where it starts to resonate, maybe, where that character is starting to consider, okay, what are we doing to humanity? Which is is really... And that's the thing. Like, are you sitting in it and waiting for... Like, and that's the thing. It cut away. He grabs the towel and he kind of walks away. It's like, is she going to hear the, the it's screaming, screaming quiet? And I couldn't... like the Again, like, the tension that this movie creates is incredible and just really effective. Um, and I, I just one last thing, sorry, I've been kind of waxing philosophical, but no, like please. the, the, the sequence where she's watching, she's looking at her own eyes in the rear view mirror and everything's kind of fuzzy around the edge. The focus is kind of just on her eyes as she's driving through Scotland. And it, it really reminded me of kind of like red desert, like Antonioni playing with obscura and, and, and focused and, and, putting things deliberately out of focus. And cause really the story is, is in her eyes behind underneath the skin, uh, like pun with the, the title. And it, it, it was just really, you kind of initially you're frustrated cause you can't see the, the context. And, and as the sounds kind of washing over you, there's a cacophony and you're not picking it up, but then you see the subtle things that she's doing, just acting with her eyes and and you kind of see this this progression. It was really really inter- interesting and great in in terms of like a long sequence of uh, and and not not feeling like it had this quick cut. It really lingered and and was really effective for having done that. And I think it's a great film for pacing in terms of like a slow burn. I know Zeke likes likes the slow burns, um, and it, it just that that sequence was just really really satisfying and really it, it told a story within within the context of the film and i i really enjoyed that the other scenes i'm thinking of um as we've been talking is and i don't i'm just going to throw it out there because i don't know if there's any meaning to it or what but just noticing as we've talked like so when she cap lures the men in and brings them into the void it's that all black room and then for the woman in the beginning, it's an all white room. Um, just, I don't know that I noticed that until we started talking through it. And I don't know what that means. Um, but I guess that juxtaposition is a, is a favorite scene or just a favorite thought of mine now that I'm thinking about it. I don't know. I don't know if that's something you all picked up on or I had the theory that 
I mean, we all noticed that she was only hunting men, but I have the idle thought of, I wonder if that's on purpose because men are better suited for what they need them for. Or if the body she happens to be wearing is just better at getting men than women. And I had this admittedly really lighthearted picture of, of Scarlett Johansson hitting on women from her van and them all just not getting it, you know, for like five straight days, you know, the men all come back with her and none of the women do. And finally they just like have an alien conference and go, forget it. And we'll just, you get the men. Right. Um, so but great, you know, like tonal establishing shot when motorcycle guy shows up, walks off, off screen into kind of like this fog. Oh, that was a great sequence. Yeah. The, the, the white fog that Scarlet goes into, and abandons like just Man. oh that was gorgeous i i just remembered that fuck but like That's sort when... of her first like our introduction to her is the pure white room mm-hmm. where she dons the i was gonna say skin the clothing mm-hmm. right but when she finally sheds the tools of her job the van she's also completely in white but it's yeah. the natural white of fog instead of the artificial room and but what i was saying with that earlier sequence is like motorcycle disappears to the darkness comes up with the woman's body and it's just so cold and so emotionless and it like establishes such a tone at the very start. It's like, what world is this? And that great white, like this, this film reminded me of like uh Holy motors, which at some point I'd like to bring. I don't know if anybody has any context, but it's, it's this wild, crazy film with a very kind of similar sensibility in terms of like performance, I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that so that obviously I'm probably going to give you more context going into it. Cause it just fucking ruins it. that one has more of a, a narrative than uh Tati stuff. But, and it also reminded me of um, Hellraiser and, and Mandy kind of the Xenobite is like hell dimension esque monster occupying the skin and kind of absorbing and consuming humanity. It's just, just tonally from the very beginning as like annihilation xenobites from hellraiser and mandy like it just really it, it, it evoked that kind of horror sci-fi tone really early on tim what were your favorite moments or scenes um yeah i think uh the the you know the yeah the the horrifying scene um i i remember part of like why that scene really got me too was that, you know, kind of getting in the head of the second person, you know, I, I feel like the, the, I mean, maybe the, the, the first person the one we see who's been in there, who's all bloated, you know, maybe when he got in there, there was someone in there, but the, I think what made that worse was the fact that that second guy sees what happens to that guy and is probably thinking, Oh my God, that's going to happen to me. And just has to like sit and float there with that, you know, whereas I feel like if it almost would have been better if they were in there alone, it's like, what is this? Where am I? What's happening? You know, and you're kind of like, you know, that's, that's one kind of terror, but like to kind of see what, what, you know, what's probably awaiting him and then have to just wait around for that to happen. You know, um, that was kind of the, the, the level that that got me at where I was just like, Oh God, like, um, and how, uh, like, how it was also, like, and I think probably how they did the effect, I've seen stuff that has this look where they're underwater and it kind of, you know, they're filming it and, you know, kind of getting the way your hair and, and everything kind of floats and is weightless. It definitely had that look. And there were those few times where he's kind of, like, breathing and he's, like, 
and you kind of get the sense like maybe he is able to breathe but it's not comfortable and you know obviously he's not panicking in the sense of like oh i can't breathe i'm choking but you know just and i don't know the idea of, of drowning is like the most horrifying thing to me so the fact that it was like this suspended animation that you know you're kind of underwater but not really drowning but maybe you are it was just like yeah so so terrible <laughs> it's and, interesting like I, it, it connects with me too because I, I have a fear of heights right hmm. but fear of heights underwater is a whole other thing oh God, like yeah. i hate the idea of like being submerged too far from the surface to go up and not seeing anything fucking below me like, and that horror all, almost more than suffocating and drowning in that moment is just like this void unending in every direction and fucking t- like before the dude popped. That's the thing. Like so much of, of the fear intention is before you even see that dude do what he does. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this, this is problematic. Like I'm, I am going to have nightmares tonight. <laughs> revisiting and talking about it because it's just so disturbing. Yeah. I, and, and I, what I loved about it too, is like the, the first time the guy disappears, the first guy disappears and you're like, what? I'm confused. You know, and there's that part of your brain, you know, like what was happening to everybody when, when lost was on TV is like, <laughs> I want answers. And you see that it's like, I, I don't want to know I don't any want any more about answers. this. No I'm more. done. Stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, it was just enough to be like, you know, you didn't know why you didn't know what happened to his insides, but you didn't want to know. You're like, I'm done. That's fine. Which, and that was the other thing too, even though I didn't want to know, I assumed that was where they show that, that next scene where there's that like red, like almost like conveyor belt tray. And there's just like sludge on it is like, is that his guts? Like, is that what that is? Like, it was just like, no, I I don't care. I don't want to know. That's, that's, that's fine. (laughs) Speaking of, you know, the anticipation being worse, you reminded me of a, a video game called Quake. You get all the Quake mm. series. But Quake 4 does the story shooter thing. And the villains in that are this species of alien thing that just harvest the leftovers and bodies and captives of their the races they conquer and assemble them back together with technology into these weird monsters, right? Mm. So... They get the captive, and now it's got a gun where it used to have a hand, right? Or vice versa, just here's, you know, 30% robot that they gave the legs from one species and an arm from a human, right? And then they just send these things to fight. And in, I think it's four, you get captured and go through the strogification process, and you're strapped down on a gurney on what is basically a factory line, getting, you know, cut to bits and, you know. and But the thing is... Every, like, five feet is another gurney. So you get to watch everything happen to the guy in front of you. And that's the worst part. Because you see it and go, oh, God, that's awful. And then you, like, realize that you're, oh, you know, that that's the worst part. Not when it's even happening. Fuck that. Absolutely. You know, the worst part is knowing you're next. So you, you hit the nail on the head there, Tim. Yeah. I think I saw that scene. It was, like, the 10 goriest moments from video games <sighs> or something like that. And that was one of yeah. them. I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely like kind of it's almost like pit in the pendulum right like i remember having nightmares listening to that poem i think they had like vincent price had they recorded him reading it and we wa- listened to it in elementary school and going home and just like 
the anticipation being the worst part of anything. But that's like the pitch in the pendulum where you can see full view someone else who's five minutes ahead of you as the the, the pendulum's coming down. It, it You're right, Scott. It's so much worse for seeing the other guy do it. it oh, man. Because it, it would be a different – like it would still be horrible. Like the effect is horrifying, period. But because our POV is that guy and you know that he's next, it, it – Seriously, I don't know that there's anything I've seen in any horror film that rivals this in terms of scary and disturbing. There's nothing that approaches it. Well, speaking of of sudden, (laughs) I I might take a right turn then, a total shift. Um, Joel, you just used the phrase, babies don't have enough skin for that. I was was like, you just kept going. You just said that and kept going. And I was like, okay, hold on. But but the thing is, Sarah and I just watched a a children's show called Gravity Falls, which is phenomenal. And you should totally watch it if you get the chance. But yeah, at one point, there's a monster chasing after our two kids. And he like says to some other characters, hold on a second. There are two children. I have to go turn into corpses. And like, Sarah and I looked at each other and went, is this a kid's show? <laughs> what the hell? Right? So, so that's twice this week we've had very sudden moments of, whoa, 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 back it up. What did you just say? So I mean, I did that. preface it with being like, this is fucking horrifying. <laughs> no, you, like, did. you did. <laughs> I'm glad that the baby, like, seriously, but like, the fact that they don't, they just leave that baby, that's scarier. It just, it, that's the thing. Like, it, this movie woke up in the morning and chose terrifying. Like, at every turn. I, it's an incredible piece of work. I, I have no idea who this director is. I don't know what else they've done, but I'm like, I need to consume. Cause at this point, like, it, it, it's, it's incredible. I, I haven't seen anything like, well, I've seen things like this, but not to this level of disturbing. I, I almost feel like there's like, there's nothing else to talk about. I, I don't know if that's just me. Like, I feel empty and hollow I only, inside. I only have a couple of idle notes that don't really spur conversation. Um, but when she, in the opening, she gets the escalator down into the crowded mall. One of the more distinct sounds you hear is someone coughing. And I just was, I was so 2020 about it. Yep. I was like, no, wear all your masks. This is not okay, right? Um, you know, again, that doesn't have any bearing on the rest of the film, but... And the one thing I thought that that kept me running was when she eats that cake, that's when you that's when you know she's not human. She does it with that stupid sideways fork thing like in the commercials. It's Who so the hell slow. eats the cake like that? Right. No, no human I've ever met. And I just I was thinking about that and going, ah um, you know, of course we got the wretched waiter, but Scarcely. I love that. I love that contrast. A, yeah. If you could make a comedy version of this film, you wouldn't need to change a whole lot, right? No, yeah. But, so. but yeah, no, that scene was brilliant. How like you go through this nice moment of like, you know, peace, and it's like, oh, this perfect piece of chocolate cake. Yeah, and like, yeah, you're right. She like cuts into it like it's a commercial, and it's like, look at this cake. And it was just like, oh god, you know. And I feel like that scene also sets up the sex scene later. You know, because it's just like, oh, yeah, her orifices don't work. <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like, you know, if if they didn't have the scene with the cake, I may not have gotten it that it was it was her issue why they ended up not having sex, not his, you know. Um, 
and yeah, so I feel like that was a nice, <laughs> a nice bookend, so to speak, to that scene. Oh, and then one of my notes was Kuyanis Katsi, but at street level, plus murder. Right. And then I have below that, revised Kuyanis Katsi from street level, plus murder, plus stalker. Because yeah. some of the bits with her in the forest were very stalkery, yeah. I had a similar note where I was like, I saw some parallels to Mother, um, especially kind of earlier on when it was still kind of up in the air what she was or what she was doing or what she was representing. Um, and I was just thinking back to, you know, the pick and watching Mother and like, here's this seemingly just a lady. And then the further you get, it's like, oh, no, she's supposed to represent these other things. And hear these like abnormal or paranormal or like creepy things happening to her. And so it was just similar mindset where I went in knowing nothing. And I was like, Oh, Tim also picked mother. And then like, is, is ScarJo like mother earth here? Mother nature. I'm like, no, no, she's an alien. And then, uh, <laughs> and then still trying to piece together. And I don't know. So I was, I was thinking back to that one too. What, what can I say? I have a type. <laughs> <laughs> Strong exactly women as metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, what you talking about the mall reminded me of the when when she kind of gets huddled into the the bar scene mm, in like the club, club. Yeah. and it, it it's again like kind of the contrast between the silence and the cacophony. Like humanity is loud compared, and also you kind of get the sense like the reason why she's picking off cabs from the herd essentially is because she can't overpower that group, right? Like the way she has to hunt is the yeah. sick and the, the, the shitty, right? And how like, she doesn't ever speak except to hunt. She doesn't have any way to speak herself out of that. A normal person in a group of strangers would have been like, no, 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 I have to get home. Oh, right. you know, I work in the morning. You would have just used your words and shuffled out of there, but she can't. I was going to say doesn't. That's really interesting because, I think Tim, I watched it after you did, and I think you had the subtitles on. Um, oh, I didn't think so. Or somebody did. I no. so I was because like the Scottish is pretty pretty heavy and pretty kind of indiscernible. It ends up being kind of inconsequential because it doesn't really matter. Um, so I had turned it off, just kind of like wanting to like let it wash over me and try and decipher what the Scottish was or Scottish vernacular was. But like at the beginning, there's sounds of scarlett johansson trying to speak sounding out words and sounding out sounds and the only reason i would have i picked up on that was because of the subtitles and that scott i don't think i had made that connection before you said that it's like it's hard for her to speak make the connection about that voice at the beginning being hers you just reminded me so yeah thank you there yeah but she only ever speaks to her targets she otherwise doesn't say a word right which i think is really really interesting and really cool i'm much happier with this film now my prediction was right the podcasting about it changed my opinion for the better quite a bit yeah i mean don't get me wrong like i would never put this movie on my shelf (laughs) no i no but i'm going to that's my like you want to see some fucked up shit movie like i it, it this is almost like the the movie just just put on and watch somebody watch like that, that I don't like Scarlett yeah. Johansson watching the guy watch TV. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, Tim, I was good. like, did you have specific things you wanted to, to kind of flesh out more? Because I, uh, not really. I mean, I, I think, I mean, a lot of the stuff, you know, like that's why I'm glad I, I kind of waited till after you guys because I feel like you guys did kind of, you know, catch all the stuff that I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, yes, especially like Scott. I'm glad you mentioned the whole kind of Scottsy thing because there were definitely moments with this where I was just like. You know, where it's like we take a break from the horror for just these, like, this contrast of these beautiful nature visuals. And it was just like, wow. Like, and, and I think I, I kind of, again, I kind of missed that the first time I saw this because it's like you're, you know, I was kind of like, okay, let's story, you know, like, like, where's this going, you know? So it was, it was, it was really weird. Like, it, it almost seemed not to fit in a way, but I, I still love them. But yeah, it was, it, there, there were these moments of just like, like that was the the rest that you guys like. We're just going to look at the sky. Or we're just going to look at the you know the the waves crashing. Which even though the waves crashing were, were horrifying in one sense, but yeah, I feel like in, or even at the beginning, the kind of that's I think the beginning to me is the most sci-fi of this, where it's like there are these circles kind of coming in, and you see these shapes, and it's like, is that a ship? Is it space? Like what's going on? It's you know, cornea. Yeah, it's very you know, very two thousand one in yeah, the beginning. Yeah. So again, I have a type. Um, you know, I, I also, actually, that was what reminded me of that too, is there was one when she actually, when you actually get to see the inside of the house that one time and I was like, Oh, this is the house from fight club. The fucking wallpapers peeling off. Like everything looks wet, (laughs) you know, like I I had forgotten. One of my favorite sequences is, is the snow capped shoreline where the fog is rolling in and curling in on itself. It's just fucking gorgeous. Just like, really i loved everything about this like it was very much like every every it took bits and pieces from all the things that i like and it was just just really incredible to watch in the the horrible scene that y'all you know really hated the the new guy who just got dumped in i don't know whether this was on purpose or or result of maybe the you know, I assume they had him like in a harness or something, right? Suspended to like float, whatever. The whole time we got those close-ups on his face, the muscle right at the juncture of his neck and shoulder, those muscles would like clench and twitch kind of on their own almost, like independent of whatever he was doing with his head. And it was, that was a beautiful touch. I don't know whether that was intentional huh. or not, but it felt like it was, and it was incredible. Just what a it was a representation of Scarlett Johansson's little movements, like with the hand tapping and stuff, right? In this guy now, A, that, but in his case, it wasn't imitation or testing, you know, test driving something. It just happened, right? It was there. And it was another really great visual example of the way you could tell she wasn't human by the, the lack of motion and the lack of little details. Mm-hmm. So speaking of like, Kudos to this movie for erect penises. Can we just for a second, yeah. like this is an R-rated film, and yeah. usually erect penis means unrated. Period. And like just, just like that's not a thing, it, especially in American film. Not fucking happening. Like this, this is a, a, a British production, I believe. So I, I just fucking refresh. Like how many times do we see a, a, an actress in in nothing? And like it's always like floppy or like in in the shadows or like implied mm-hmm. like it, fucking kudos to this film for being like here it is dong watch I'm I'm yeah. down for that 
<laughs> and on that note, <laughs> well, Zeke, did you have any? I, I feel like we've talked a lot, and Zeke hasn't gotten to say much. No, I think we covered a lot of or everything that was in my notes. I guess to, to Dong Watch. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a you know, ScarJo's a big Hollywood actress, and you know, I think this is probably her nude scene debut or maybe only nude movie, but like the fact that that's not the focus of it, right? Because it's everything's filmed in such a a non-sexual way Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, you get erect penises and you get ScarJo nude and, 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 but they do it in a way similar to, um, uh, um, portrait, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Portrait Fire. Of a Portrait, lady on yeah, fire. there you go. Right, yeah. like where there's scenes there, and remember we talked about that in length. Like we were watching that movie with our um, blinds up in our house, and like, oh, should we shut this? Like it's getting a little, you know. <laughs> there's some nude scenes here, right? But like, it's never done in a in a, a an overly sexual way. So I don't know. Just when you mentioned that, I thought of that, right? Like just how it was shot and how they went about pacing and framing the film right like that's just not an important thing so that was refreshing to see um yeah absolutely even like even the... this is the nudity is sexual but it's not mm-hmm. not overbearing right like you know it's not overt it's that's not, how she caught the guy right, right? Mm-hmm. by implying that was going to happen and she's also undressing so of course by the time he gets down there he's erect right what you know what is he he made of stone so he is now yeah <laughs> right you beat me to it <laughs> like yeah that just that felt like a really great honest just yeah this is we're humans this is a thing oh well you know and the nudity was incidental right exactly. like that, that's, that's a good way to put it yeah, that was yeah. the point and I, I i really like that in the first seat like in the first thing it was like oh scar joe's nude in the very first scene that she's in mm-hmm. that that's but like and also like the way she was the the way she was taking the clothing off of the 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 first female victim was it was a violation absolutely but it wasn't sexual it 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 was it was predatory it was it was um possessive and it was taking it, the 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 armor right like the 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 clothing and and making it making her vulnerable but it was matter of fact and it, it, it there, there's a power dynamic and it's sinister and it's scary and the tear represents a whole lot in that sequence, but it's not a sexual predation, which I, I think was really like it. This this movie really establishes its tone very early and very clearly, and mm-hmm. it's really powerful for that. Because we see, I mean, ScarJo is, is undressing or, or semi-nude or nude for a lot of this film, but none of it is sensationalized. Nothing is overly sexualized. It is all done with a an incidental, this is a borrowed skin, and that's how the entity is treating it. And it it it, it really comes across. Yeah. I, really I think sensationalized that. is a good way to put it. And then I think, again, that just is just one other thing that adds... To the payoff at the end when she removes her face and her skin, right? Because like you said, it's all very, you know, matter of fact, and it's all very, this is what needs to happen for this alien creature to survive is to take on, you know, the the skin and then other life forms from there. 
um, that when you get to that, right, like, you know, it's been a thing throughout the movie. And then like her nudity has been a thing throughout the movie. So when you get to that's not even her, right, there's a whole nother being under that. That payoff is is so much more because of that. I like too that the um, there's a, a a build to the amount of clothes she takes off, and I feel like you know for the for the pacing of the story it works out that way where each time she takes a little more off. But I also kind of you know figured that it has to do with like well, how much do I have to take off for these guys to take off their clothes? You just see that the earlier guys are just that much more eager. Where it's like oh her shirt's off, I'm done. You know right. let's let's do this. You know and it was like okay you know and, and that was the thing is she only ever took off as much as she needed to get them to be naked. You know to to kind of walk into the the. The, the pool or whatever you know and then again uh, with the idea that the clothes are part of the skin for her yeah it's all just yeah yeah how many layers this many okay he's naked okay i'm just gonna keep walking and you know that's it mm-hmm. another shot for our comedy version where she's completely naked and the guy isn't yet so she takes off the human skin and just, just <laughs> why baby? not <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah yeah, it was based on what, what you were saying, yeah, like, you know, Zeke, you know, about the, the final reveal. It's like, yeah, that's what made that last scene so hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, now we're seeing the real nudity here. <laughs> hot physically and emotionally because they set her on fucking fire. Oh, that's really spackle. brutal. Like, that, yeah. seriously, like... Another, another really triumph of the film is, like, how far to the other side, like... I, I I empathize and I I champion the alien at the end, mm-hmm. and the fact that they're burned alive and can't the silent scream right they can't scream and they can't, they don't talk is just really disturbing and sad. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I wanted her to to live to to suck the skin off of <laughs> the other guys another day. You know, like I, it just just really incredible. And really powerful, like like for a film to to so so blatantly and un uneditedly show you a monster, a predator, that way, and then to pull a bait and switch and make you empathize with them, like that that is a huge testament to the power of, of the filmmaking and the script and everybody's every con- contribution to that point. I just incredible. All right, on that note, we can transition to my favorite segment, which I'll put right here. It is it is time for another <laughs> situational movie recommendation. I'm pretty sure that I have to come up with one, Tim. You didn't bring one, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you kind of inspired me, Joel. Oh, okay. Although you might not like it. It's... <laughs> That's my best guy's kind of inspiration. <laughs> well, it's I, I'm still trying to put the phrase together, I guess. But like, what was the first really horrified memory you had from a film? Right, the thing that <laughs> stuck with you in a bad way. What's your earliest one of those? Oh, I got that right now. Wishbone episode about Frankenstein. For some reason, that well, I, I think it was like a lot of people's kind of empathy for and love of Frankenstein is in his humanity. Right. But the fact that he was human in this portrayal was the thing that 
fucking terrified me. Like for some reason, the makeup, the the way that he was sad and also a monster gave me nightmares for months. And that is a large part of why it took me so long to watch horror was because of fucking wishbone, <laughs> tiny dog reads and, and dresses up in cosplays. So that seriously, like that, I don't even know if I could watch it as an adult. That that's how, how far it disturbed me as a little kid was this portray. And I've seen like, the Boris Karloff, Frankenstein. I've seen Frankenstein's since, and none of them really approach that resonant horror for me the way that that one did. So that's mine. Similarly, um, for me, it was Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And uh, oh, so the Judge yep. Doom scene, um, so the, the, the steamroller scene, and then the Judge Doom, like where his eyes are like, crazy and i feel like they're popping out i can't remember because i yeah they think they turn into knives at one point don't they yeah probably yeah i blocked all this out it scarred me and um just anything judge doom i feel like that movie and that's one that i probably would like to go watch again but i just couldn't make it through as a kid and it just just scarred me um then the other one i'm having i think it was the uh i can't remember which movie it's from but i think it was the the 1999 remake of the haunting and there's a scene where like something's coming through the wall like or a picture on a wall like there's a hand that comes through or like i don't remember but that that creeped me out a lot too i think it was the haunting i don't think it was the house on haunted hill remake i think it was the haunting gotcha tim do you have one yeah for me it was poltergeist which I saw oh. when I was a child. Well, I didn't see it. My parents were watching it. And I was like, you know, I don't know if it was just like they put it on and I was in the room or like, I feel like at one point, I, I think this is back when my parents like had cable for a little while. So certain movies were just like on often. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause HBO used to just be like, we'll play movies, but we'll repeat them or we'll play the same movie. Over and over. So I feel like I've seen a bunch of it in pieces. But I remember one time, like, I think my parents were watching it with, like, company. And I was watching it from the kitchen. Like, I wanted to kind of be included, but I was still scared. And just so many parts from that. Like, first of all, just the idea that, you know, a little girl gets sucked into a television set with static on it. So every time there was a TV with static on it, I would fucking freak out my Mm -hmm. entire childhood. Um, There's one scene where I think there's, like, and this is more just gross. I think there's, like, meat that has like maggots growing on it or something and i just like maybe want to puke and then there's a part where the kid has a a a clown doll that like (laughs) tries to pull him under the bed or something and then my grandmother bought me a clown doll for one of my birthdays i remember like there was also something where i think doesn't it like a tree from outside like pull the kid and start like swallowing a kid yeah so just like all of the most horrifying scenes from that i just remember like you know seeing that like i'd be kind of watching like oh what's gonna happen and like something disturbing would happen so all of that was like swirling around in my head for most of my childhood and for some reason my younger sister like she would just sit there and watch that stuff with my dad just like (laughs) full on just like you know eight o'clock at night like yeah let's watch poltergeist and then i'll go to bed and sleep soundly and i'd be like out there like pissing my pants in the kitchen like looking around the corner being like i want to watch tv too stands outside your room going there here timmy yeah exactly (laughs) so yeah that movie fucked me up (laughs) 
It's such a good one, though. Like, <laughs> in, ter- in terms of things, I couldn't to be watch Coach because of that movie. <laughs> I I kind of have to. So I the first film I turned off was actually Jurassic Park, but I was like nine, I think. Wow. I was still on the lower end of like my parents were like, okay, well we'll rent this, and if at any point you want to stop, just tell us, you know. So we did. It was right around when. Uh, Newman gets, you know, spit on, <laughs> and it wasn't even the actual thing itself. Like dinosaurs are obviously just scary animals, but like the whole film just made me feel so anxious. You know, anxious is the word, right? That like I just that was the point when I realized I didn't want to feel this way because it sucked, and I could turn this off and not feel this way anymore. So I did. You know, I I rewatched Jurassic Park and. I don't know, high school or college, and I was fine, right? Because by then I was much more intimately acquainted with anxiety. Um, but, you know, just, <laughs> I, I don't know, that was just, it wasn't the thing itself so much as just the overall, like, this isn't, this isn't fun. This is unpleasant, right? <laughs> like, um, like some people get from bungee jumping roller coasters, right? Of like, there's that little thrill of, ooh, it can be really fun or it can suck, you know? So the first time it sucked. The first real, like, the visual it stuck with me that I saw, you know, in, in dark TV screens was actually Letters from Iwo Jima, which oh, is shit. a World War II movie, as the name suggests. And it's, I mean, I think if I'd seen Saving Private Ryan first, it would have been that, mm. you know, it would have been the scene on the beach where the one guy picks up his arm, right? Or, or something similar. But I saw Letters from Iwo Jima first because that came out while I was at an age to see it and everything and interested whereas private ryan was just an older film that i was gonna have to go find right and i just hadn't bothered yet it was on the list of you know supposedly cool war films right but um flags of our fathers and letters from iwo jima were two they were partner films that came out at the same time and i had read the flags of our fathers book so i went to see both movies so that was the first one I don't want to talk about the two specific moments because I really want to bring that film to the podcast and I really don't want to spoil them. They're, they're very sudden. Even one of them isn't sudden. Like they tell you very much what's going to happen, but then it happens and you are not, not prepared for it. So I don't want to say anything, but you know, it's fine to say it's a war film, right? So it was my first like proper R rated serious war film. It's really kind of weird now too, to, to think about that. Like, there are lots of war movies, obviously, and lots of them that are really bloody, right? But I, it's odd to think that the first, it's not odd to think the first one I saw is the one that stuck with me, because of course, right, the first one. But that, like, as a whole since then, I just, that, that was it. That was the initiation, right? The bucket of cold water. And every time after that has been, oh, yeah, more, okay. Like, that's <laughs> so weird, right? Because they're all so different. Um, the fighting in just in World War II in the European and Pacific theaters was completely different. The whole experience of combat, some of the weapons used were different. I, and then, of course, you watch movies about all different kinds of conflicts, real and imaginary, right? And horrible things happen to people in all of those, including all kinds of weird laser technology and strange booby traps and, you know, from everything as simple as a guy with a rock to as complicated as, like... Uh, what we just saw i guess right whatever the hell was happening there right <laughs> you know but it, but it's weird to think that only the first one really like made that impression kind of you know carved that section of my psyche out and everything yeah. else just occupies that that section now does that work with other types of scenes right i mean 
I don't know. I can't even think of any good examples. I feel like, like once I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I, mm-hmm. I was prepared for anything horror could throw at me. Basically <laughs> until this. Right? Like I I yeah, I mean after that, like there are visceral and gross things and like you can have like a, a, a queasy stomach about certain things and that will affect you. But like in terms of just like horror proper gore, like I <sighs> And Zeke is is rolling his eyes internally because of the me walking out of Inglorious Bastards. Um, I thought that's why you were prefacing like prefacing <laughs> it like that. <laughs> like there's um, visceral and gory, but we're not talking about that. So I wasn't right. going to go there. <laughs> yeah, I I have totally 180'd on that movie. I I I'm a fool and I own it. Um, was that I don't your own first the Tarantino film? It was. It, it definitely mine too. Was. Yeah, and I uh, I left the theater kind of disappointed because. From the trailers, I was expecting like a crazy, like violent Nazi killing wisecrack making romp with basically no plot, right? Just a thin <laughs> enough plot to to like get us from set piece of murder to set piece of murder, right? Hundred Nazi scalps, but, right? But obviously, Tarantino films are very intricately woven plots that all come together at the end. So, like, I mostly followed along, but not super eagerly. Because I kept waiting for like, so when is this going to start? When's the and blood? then it ended, and I was like, I, okay, right. I, the analogy I like to use for that is I, I went to a restaurant expecting a really delicious chocolate cake, and instead I got really delicious brownies. They're both chocolate and they're both baked, but it's like this isn't what I came here for. So no matter how good this is, I'm going to leave here kind of like disappointed, right? Like this is not why I came, left my house today. So yeah. Sorry, I just like, <laughs> like I, ah, I can relate to you. <laughs> I th- I think my my main thing with Inglorious Bastards was I wasn't ex- I didn't know what a Tarantino film meant in terms of viscera and and gore. I mean, Zeke can can, can recall as he was there and very frustrated with me being a little bitch about it, where <laughs> they. Uh, Brad Pitt puts his finger through a bullet hole and I just was like, I I can't do it. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And I, I just, I think it was the context of not being prepared for that. Whereas when you say the words, Texas chainsaw and massacre together, there's a certain expectation of like, this can only end (laughs) in viscera. So I, I, I mean, I've seen, and Hannibal really, I, I think, prepared me for gore, the, the TV series. But in terms, like, it's also pretty. Like, it's almost irresponsible how pretty the gore is in that. Where it's like, it's like, yeah, they're dead, but look at how pretty it is after the fact. So, it, yeah, that in terms of like tempered for that, I don't know if there's anything else. Like, I don't know that there's war films that I, I, I was like. I don't know. I, I I guess I don't seek too many of those out, so I don't really have that context of like. No, yeah, not the... not even war films in particular, but that I like. I'm realizing only the first one, right, hit yeah. that hard, right, and I'm kind of wondering now: are there other cinematic things that hit that hard only the first time? Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other other examples like that where it was kind of like something was a a, a gateway that almost like yeah, like would have been a deterrent because i mean yeah because i'm i'm not as much of a fan of horror i don't know if it's because of you know watching poltergeist when i was so young and having it scare me or if it's just you know 
I feel like for a while I would watch some horror films, like the, the fun ones, you know, um, like, uh, my, my roommate in college was a huge fan of like the Halloween series. So like there was, I think H2O came out when we were in college. <laughs> so like we went to see it in the theaters. It's so good. You know? I love um, H2O. <laughs> <laughs> my, my one complaint about that is how loud all of the knife sounds are. Like someone shows you a knife. And you're like, oh God. Like, <laughs> Like, and that was the thing, like, they weren't even doing anything. It was like, here's a knife, and you would hear a sound. It's like, uh, I don't think that's how knives work. Um, and the guns that constantly rattle and shake every time anybody moves them any direction, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, and even, like, with the whole, like, comic book genre, I mean, that was something I've been waiting for my whole life. So it wasn't like, oh, what is this thing? Oh, I saw it once, and now I'm hooked. It's like, you know, I've, I've, I've been, you know, waiting there you know, like the, like the fry meme, you know, shut up and take my money for, you know, <laughs> any comic book movie since I was like, you know, probably seven years old, you know, um, once I knew that comic books were a thing and movies were a thing, it was like, why aren't these together? Or, or, you know, ever, probably ever since I saw those old shitty Spider-Man movies from the seventies, you know, where he used to shoot ropes at people. Like ever since that day, I was like any comic book movie, give it to me. So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like with those where it was some scarring moment that said, okay, now I need to delve into this. Even like with comedies too, I feel like comedies, you're kind of like, it, it, it depends on the movie and they're all kind of hit or miss, you know, like either they're funny or they're not funny, but yeah, I don't think there was one first comedy that I saw where I was like, Ooh, I need to see more comedies. You know, it was like, of course I like funny things. So if this is funny, I'll watch it. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I feel like it's such a unique feeling, right? Because it's not, so it's, you know, what disturbed you and has stuck with you can't really be translated to like, what's the first movie that made you laugh, right? That's kind of a different feeling and harder to track or like, what's the first movie that made you feel on the edge of your seat? Like maybe, but I can't pinpoint it the same way I can. Like mm-hmm. what's something that like, you know, freaked me out and disturbed me like i had those examples ready to go so yeah Yeah. i'm with you i don't know if i can think of anything else i feel bad about choosing a a suggestion prompt that i couldn't answer properly right Mm -hmm. with a film i don't want to spoil i i do kind of feel bad so i apologize (laughs) for that but i was really interested to hear all your answers those parts were great that was a good one yeah i guess i'll just have to make up for it by bringing letters from Iwo Jima as soon as possible, right? You know? Uh, but I am not next. No. Zeke is next. Ooh. Zeke, what will you be bringing for us? Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure. So I'm hoping I can get two new people on this one. Um, Joel, sorry, buddy, for making you <laughs> redo this one again. Um, but I am going with Uncut Gems. Ooh, yeah. Have either, have either of you seen that? I have not. Oh, great that works. That, that works is that the one with uh, adam sandler yes, it sir. is uh-huh. okay yeah. cool i'm glad i get to two that's what i was hoping for so oh, yeah shit. we'll go with that that's great much like <laughs> under the skin it's another film that a lot of people have been telling me i need to see okay so, good so and it's um, on netflix yeah, so right, it's happening i'm gonna have a fucking heart attack zeke what's wrong with you <laughs> i know i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'm looking forward that'll be great um i'm that fuck yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's our first follow-up. adam sandler movie on the podcast yeah 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 and it's a serious one to talk about <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's gonna be great i've got Excellent. prompts and, i'm ready <laughs> yeah for sure i'm very much looking forward to that and tim really thank you for bringing us under the skin absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely thank and, and thanks to all of you for 
as I said at the beginning, you know, this stuff gets better when we share it with each other. Definitely in my case, in this one, I really, you know, I really think differently about this than when we started, and I've thoroughly enjoyed discussing it with the three of you. Uh, I know, of course, now it's time for each of us to go find our next Blackwater victim. So we'll <laughs> we'll wrap the podcast up here. And until next time, uh, listeners, have a good night. Bye. 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 Did you know Movie Mumble has its very own Twitter account? Please follow us on Twitter at MovieMumbleNTG and tweet at us with questions, reviews, or recommendations of things you'd like us to watch next.